A6's Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy. This week, it's all about boundaries, part two. Enjoy. Hello, sixes. We are back with part two of talking about boundaries. Okay. First, I have to tell you, this podcast is doing extremely well, more than I could possibly have imagined. (laughs) Lots of you are listening in every week. And even though, of course, that's what I wanted, it is absolutely terrifying. And there's been a lot of increased positive exposure of me personally and my work with sixes. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the the world thinks and we think it should be that positive things equal good feelings. And a lot of times for sixes, that is just not the case, right? Any kind of expansion is going to have a fear reaction. So while all these good expansive things are happening, my 6E mechanism is really quite uh, freaking out quite a bit. It's having a big tantrum and I can feel energetically that if I don't take care of myself, it kind of wants to like shut me down, right? So I could start self-sabotaging, which I don't really like that word, but that's fine. We'll just go with it. I could, there's a lot of things I could do to retract, to contract, to come back in, to feel safer. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to keep doing everything I'm doing and let the expansion occur, whatever that means. So there's a lot of work happening and it's all related to this boundaries conversation because I'm having to orient to grounding myself back into my body because none of the freak out is really, well, it is kind of in my body, but it's being created by story, right? It's being created by fear. Fear of what? This is what we have to do sometimes too, is really go there, answer our fears, talk to the what ifs. Because if I really go there, like, okay, so more people are learning about you and what you do. Why is that so scary? Well, because yes, there are going to be more people who find my work and benefit from it. There are also going to be people who maybe don't like what I'm saying or disagree with what I'm saying or think things about me that I don't want them to think, right? That to me would feel threatening. So what would those things be? This is literally work I do with myself and my clients. You can take this as an example. So what would those things be? People would think, I don't know what I'm talking about. I That's pretty much the biggest one. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm talking about. And basically, I'm a fraud. 
And that's going to result in the end of everything that I've created, right? This business that I love so much that I feel just ridiculously lucky to be able to do. It all feels at risk. And I can, I can honor that. I can look at that and I can see that. And then I can ground into my body and my heart. And when I do that grounding, when I reconnect with myself in that way, as well as reach out to my support system, like I'm not out here on an island doing this, right? I've got people, I have support. This is the other thing. As we do really difficult personal work and we're learning to build a reliable inner self and a reliable inner core and an aligned sense of our own head, heart, and body, I am never suggesting we do that alone. No, we need to have support around us as we build that connection to our own self-support. And then it never becomes just us. It's a, it's a system. We're social creatures here. So that's going on. And it's very real in my system. And I want to share that with you because whatever is going on in your system, as you are on a, whatever your journey is, it is real. It matters. And I know that you have voices in your head that question that, that tell you that what you're experiencing shouldn't be such a big deal or that it should be different or you should just be able to whatever. Or even if you just wish it was different, if you just wish, sometimes I would just like to have a good thing happen and my brain not freak out. Like, yeah, I hear you. (laughs) Get it. I've got some sadness and grief around that sometimes. Like, yeah, this is what my brain offers all of the time. And that's okay. It's okay. And I just, I hope that sharing that helps you expand a little bit more to include those parts of you that are just really scared of your own expansion and your own growth. Those parts make sense. You make sense. And it really is okay. And it does not have to stop you. It's just really valuable to acknowledge that that is part of the journey. So boundaries is really all about building an expanded capacity to be with what is in you and then an expanded capacity to be with the internal intensity generated when you acknowledge yourself and your separateness from other people, systems that you are a part of, organizations, et cetera, all these things that unconsciously we try to lean on to create safety instead of honoring and valuing what is true in us because we get so twisty around If I assert myself, I'm going to lose something outside of me and that can't happen. Or I'm going to get in trouble, right? Someone or something outside of me is going to tell me that I'm doing it wrong, that I made a mistake, that I missed something. Oh, 
that one is so real for us. We are just so determined to not have someone see something about us that we haven't already seen or that we haven't already figured out. And so if we make a decision to say, oh, that doesn't work for me or that's not okay with me, or I think I'd like to open up here, we're inviting our systems tell us risk where someone else can be like, you're getting that wrong. You're doing that wrong. The way that you think is wrong. The way that you're expressing what you think is wrong. We tend to be sensitive and guarded from other people's potential opinions and thoughts about us because we don't have this aligned, connected, solid relationship with our own opinions about ourselves, right? We don't have that. I really know who I am to then balance out who other people might think we are. It feels like a real threat. And so this episode might be a little bit more stingy, I would say, a little more painful. I don't, maybe, I don't know, buckle up a little bit. Uh, It's very important to me to not use the Enneagram or any of my tools or anything to shame us. It's a really big priority of mine. At the same time, the impact of our wounding and how we express that is real. We do and can impact the people in our lives in ways that we don't like. And part of this work is holding the truth in that in accountability, right? Not shame and not denial, but finding that middle ground of, oh, okay, I'm a human in this world and I have impact on people and other people have impact on me and that's all okay. I mean, one of the things that boundaries really afford us is closer relationships. Boundaries actually afford us more intimacy. One of the fears I see coming up all over the place as this conversation is spreading around is this fear that if I just start paying attention to myself, I'm going to become like a bad person or someone who doesn't care enough about people. And just the opposite could not be more true. It is really having a sense of our intact selves that allows us to actually be closer to other people in all of their humanity if we want to. Sometimes we don't want to. And that is okay too. That is okay too. The the bottom line is, as we become more solid and intact internally, we are able to make these choices consciously in our relationships, in our organizations, in all the places that we operate. Okay, so let's get into this. The most orienting thing, in my opinion, a six can do to help with all of this is to get a clear sense of what are your values, which, as I mentioned last time, like boundaries, your values are going to be found in your body. 
They're really not things we come up with in our minds. So this is something I teach all of my clients. There's a bonus in the group coaching program that I have for sixes that is a class where I take sixes through finding their three to five top values. You can just get a list of values on the internet and, you know, look through and mark the ones that resonate with you. And they're going to resonate with you in your body. You're going to, I want, I want you to, okay, forget I said that. You might try. (laughs) When you read the list, pay attention to your physical responses, right? Not if you think like, oh, that's a good value to have. That's a value I should have, but rather physical responses to the words or concepts. You can also think in terms of like, what do I get fired up about? And then look at the themes there or what when they, what things, when they happen, I feel really shut down and look at the themes that emerge there. There are ways to find what does my body really value? What's really important to me? And then when you have those three to five things or 10 or whatever, I try to keep my list small. I keep that thing in front of me at all times. My values are at my computer. I reference them frequently because they are a filter through which I can, well, filter things. So when I have a boundary, this came, this happened recently in my life. You know, I have a value of self-expression, which is hard one for a six, right? Not the kind of expression that just kind of pops out of us sometimes, but the kind of expression that comes from deep within and we're like, you know, supporting it to get out into the world. That is a value that I have. It's also uh, not coincidentally... <laughs> a quality of a healthy six, right? Healthy sixes, I'm air quoting that because I don't like that language, but we're working with what we have. Healthy sixes tend to have rich self-expression. They're able to be themselves out in the world. We could also put this back under the umbrella of being uninhibited to express self. Okay, so that is one of mine. And I had someone in my life come along and say, mm, all that self-expressing you're doing, do you really want to be doing that? Is it is it a little too much? My body told me in no uncertain terms that that was not a safe person in my life. Like that was, that was it. And the clarity of body feeling, which was a lot, I don't, and I don't let that, uh, it was, it was rage. I don't let that rage make decisions for me. However, that rage filtered through my value of self-expression was what I needed to go ahead and set and honor a pretty hard boundary in that case. Okay. So that formula values are the filter through which you can run some of these emotional responses that I hope you start paying more attention to. So we're I'm not here saying your feelings or your emotions or your body sensations get to be the deciders in your life. Absolutely not. What we want is a system where we can access discernment, inner discernment in which we're using our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. And having your values in front of you is a really good 
way to access you when you're feeling dysregulated and disoriented. Because that's one of the things that we're, we so don't want to come up against, right? Is this experience of dysregulation and disorientation. This is part of the reason we just don't do the hard work of setting boundaries, holding boundaries, lowering them if we want to, all the things that we've been talking about. So your values are real important. And yeah, recommend you figure out what they are. Okay, let's start with internal boundaries. These are some of the most impactful, effective boundaries we can set. They are also some of the easiest to ignore because it's all about what we can do for ourselves. And as sixes, we are generally oriented to wanting other people, the world at large, to shift itself so that we can feel more comfortable, more at ease, safer, all of the things that make sense. That's not a problem. And yet that orientation has us missing a lot of the things that we can do for ourselves to feel more contained, safer, more regulated, et cetera, et cetera. So here's one example. There are bajillions of options here. One example is I have an internal boundary around letting myself make decisions about my life or even evaluate myself after around 5 p.m. <laughs> Why do I have this internal boundary? Because when my brain gets tired, as it really is by the time the day is over, it only offers me very negative things about me, uh, about my husband, about how the kids are doing, about my business. It just comes on pretty strong, pretty negative. And I know that's because my brain is tired. It needs rest. Tired brain tends to lean negative. By the way, side note, human brains tend to lean negative. Negativity bias, it's a thing. We don't need to get into it, but these are just really good things to know so we don't heap on blame. I mean, I could say, well, why can't I just be nicer to myself at the end of the day? Because it's hard work. And my brain doesn't want to do hard work after 5 p.m. So I have a rule that whatever my brain offers me about myself and my family and my life after 5 p.m., I just don't entertain. I say, nope, we don't do that. Everything looks better. This is just how I'm wired. You might be wired totally different. Everything looks a little brighter and more manageable in the morning. That is when I will do evaluation of my life. This also gets to stuff that comes up in the middle of the night, right? What are some internal boundaries we have for what our brain offers in the middle of the night? That is actually something I should probably do a whole podcast on. Today is not that day. So one internal boundary. I don't let myself offer up evaluations in the evening. Another example of internal boundaries. If there is someone who you find yourself constantly thinking about, frustrated with, always just, you know, talking about them and you're just always so frustrated, that is a clue that that might be a person you would benefit from an internal boundary around. What might that boundary look like? Maybe you interact with them less. Maybe you say less words when you interact with them. Maybe you just keep yourself to yourself a little bit more. There's a ton of different ways to look at this. What are some other examples of internal boundaries? 
Maybe there's someone on social media who every time I see something they post, maybe it's even a friend, I get upset in some way. So maybe an internal boundary is to not follow that person. Maybe it's someone I don't know. And I they have content that my brain says I should. But if it makes me feel bad, I don't have to. I can set an internal boundary on a whole bunch of what comes into my self. All of us who are on social media have a whole lot more control over what we're taking in than we tend to want to enact. It feels hard because our brain doesn't want to miss out on something or we start to gaslight ourselves. Oh, we shouldn't be so sensitive. That shouldn't bother me. I should be able to read that whatever it is. I have unfollowed a whole bunch of people who have content that I really like because when I read their content, I feel less about what I'm putting out in the world. So even though their stuff is really good and I might benefit from it, I do not follow them because every time I see something they post, my brain goes, oh, your stuff's not that good. Your stuff doesn't look that good. You're not that clear. All of those kinds of thoughts. So I protect myself and my work by not following a lot of people that I really like. That is an example of internal boundaries. This one is tough. It's tough. And it's just interesting to get curious with yourself around what keeps me taking things in, consuming things, interacting with people that really doesn't feel good to me. Why do I keep doing that? And not not like, why do I keep doing that? But I'm curious why I keep doing that. I wonder what I think I'm getting from it. Or I wonder what my brain is telling me why I shouldn't put up a boundary here. We always want to be asking ourselves as sixes. What am I afraid of? Where are the shoulds? What am I afraid of? Where are the shoulds? These are always very orienting questions for us to consider. Okay. How do I set boundaries without feeling guilty? We have some unpacking to do on this one, and this is such a big one. This is probably what I get the most questions about and what I work with clients on the most is how do I do this hard thing that honors me without feeling bad? And the short answer the short shitty answer is you we we don't get to do that. We are going to feel bad, but here's how I want to flesh that out a little bit. Any time we are making any kind of change, any kind of growth, it's going to feel bad. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Our brain is going to show up with a whole bunch of thoughts and reasons and what ifs and holy craps and you know, don't do that is what our brain is saying. Don't do this thing that is going to feel bad. So a couple different ways to explore this. One, we already feel bad. We already feel bad or we wouldn't even be thinking, do I need a boundary here? Something's not working for me here. This isn't working. We are already in some level of discomfort. Now, Familiar discomfort, our brain tells us, listen, we know how to do this. This is familiar discomfort. 
don't go changing things because even though maybe this kind of sucks, we know how to handle this. We know what to do here. And to step into a different stream of discomfort requires opening up to the unknown. It requires opening up to uncertainty, which we don't like. We don't like uncertainty. And so part of what our brain does is say, well, if you do that, you're going to feel guilty, which what your brain is also saying there is if you do that, I, your brain, am going to make you feel guilty. Because what creates a feeling of guilt is a thought that we have that creates guilt inside of us. Now, that thought collection comes from all over the place. All the shoulds and programming and all of the ways that we are supposed to be in the world come together to form this collection of stories of, if you don't do that, you should feel guilty. So we can do a whole lot of work around those stories to soften the thinking and therefore soften the emotion of guilt. That is one direction, right? When we look at doing work, we can go from a top-down approach. That's when we do things that are like thought work type things. We're really working with our thinking or, and it just depends. It depends on the situation. It depends on how you, the particular six, are wired, what is more accessible to you. Many, many, many sixes do better with a bottom-up approach, which is doing body work. Body work does that's not that doesn't sound right. It's like somatic work. Work through the body, through the heart, through the other centers. If we're using enneagram language, so that we actually can process and allow for the feeling of guilt. Guilt in and of itself isn't a problem. It is a collection of sensations that exists in our body that we can survive. So much of this is all about, can I expand? Can I get bigger? Can I make room for the sensations in my body, even if they are things like guilt, fear, uncertainty, disappointment, powerlessness, and not to take us into too dark of a place. We also struggle (laughs) with making room for freedom, joy, all the other, the good things, right? When we talk about expanding capacity to feel, I always want to remind everyone that it's not just more space to feel bad. It's also more space to feel good. If you go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, I am working right now to expand into goodness. That's what my brain is wanting to shut down. Like I am having a current season This is not always the case, of course. A current season of things I want to be happening are happening. And my system is like, you know, trying to squeeze me smaller. And and I'm practicing opening up to expansion. So a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but I think one that's really important for this whole conversation. We are expanding our capacity to feel, to experience the sensations in our bodies that are produced by our thinking, by how we perceive 
the experiences of our life. So when we think about setting a boundary and our brain says, no way, you're going to feel guilty. There's so much work we can do around that. And it is important that we consider that there's a lot of possibility there, that our brain saying you're going to feel guilty does not have to be a stopper. Now, that does not mean that we get to do this work without experiencing discomfort. It's just the truth. There's no expansion, moving forward, growth, transformation, integration, whatever word you like. None of that happens without an increased capacity for discomfort. And this is why, again, orienting to our values is so crucial. Because why would we do that? Why would we do this really difficult, uncomfortable work? If we aren't connected to why we would do this, most of the time we're just not going to do it. And that makes sense. But when we have thought through and connected to, these are my values, this is why I would do this, then we're able to hold ourselves a little uh, tighter as we move through the discomfort. We're like, this is why I'm doing this. This is what's important to me. And this is why I would risk the sort of status quo of whatever's going on. I mean, a lot of times when we talk about setting a boundary, what we're doing is we're upsetting the apple cart, right? We're changing something that is already set. We don't like that. Changes again, uncomfortable. Why would we risk that discomfort? Orienting to our values can help us have the answer. Okay, so this is the part that might not feel so great as we explore. My invitation to you is just to filter it through your own sense of things. And if something feels useful, pick it up. If it doesn't, leave it here. It's totally fine. All of this is my own personal experience and my experience being all up in 60 brains for the last five years, that does not make me an authority on you. It doesn't. You are the authority on you and you have every right and capacity to just take things in, see how they land for you. My hope is you would not use these things against you if they do land Rather, that it would just be a place to get curious about if you want to. And if you don't want to, that's fine too. I really, as we go into maybe a little bit of like a kind of an uncomfortable place, I want you to have your full authority on board. You get to decide what you take in, what you don't take in, if you have capacity for it, if you don't, if it doesn't resonate with you, fine. All of that. I give to you. Okay, let's head into <laughs> what are ways that sixes cross or don't respect other people's boundaries. There's a there's a lot of ways. And the reason, and again, I'm going to say the reason we do this, blah, blah, blah. I don't actually know why you do. I'm speaking very generally. So you just take it and you filter it through your own self. So the reason we do this <laughs> is that as sixes, we tend to judge connection by sameness. We want other people to 
think the same way we do and feel the same way we do about things so that we can validate our own experience. We tend to want to have our experience validated externally. So if someone is different from us or thinks different from us or doesn't agree with the way we are thinking or feeling about something that creates or we could say exacerbates a whole bunch of our internal discomfort that's already there. So we want that connection through sameness. And the problem with that is we're interacting in a world with a bunch of people who don't think the same way we do, don't have the same reactions to things that we do necessarily, don't have the same lens of the world that we do. And even one six to another six is not going to think the same things and feel the same things. Yes, there's a lot of overlap and that can be really, uh, what's the opposite of lonely? That can be really, uh, I don't know, community orienting. I don't have the words for that. You all know what I mean. So that can be great. And it can become an expectation that we think should exist so that we can feel okay about what we are thinking, what we are experiencing. And that's where we can get a lot of difficulty in our relationships. We have the way that we filter things. We have the way that we think about things. We have the things that are important to us. And then we believe that should be the case for everyone else. And we're looking to create that sense of safety in sameness. And I just made all that up. So if that doesn't exactly resonate, that's fine. We can think of another way to say it. Probably that is resonant. I'm hoping. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? My brain just came in and was like, what you just said (laughs) makes no sense. That is not it, it just, my brain just came in and started pulling apart what I am trying to speak from my own sense of things and experience in my own inner knowing. So the reason I want to call that out is that is what it looks like. That is how it is. I am trying to whoops, speak from my own authority and this sixy inhibitor naysayer, what if or puller aparter is just right here in an attempt to whoop, put me back away safe, right? Like don't do what you're doing. It's scary. You're exposing us. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. So a little real-time brain management. Yes, brain. I am potentially putting us at risk. It is okay. <laughs> Because we are honoring our value of self-expression and probably some others. I'd have to look at my list. Okay. As I was saying before my brain interrupted, there's a lot of reasons that we don't take people at face value and we just want them to be different. And people feel this. They feel this from us when maybe they, here's one thing we do. If someone in front of us is very certain, external certainty can be extremely triggering for us because internally we are uncertain. 
And so when we bump up against certainty, that can be very upsetting. And what we can do often is start to poke holes in that certainty. This is where the devil's advocate moniker comes from. And let me tell you, I love, like in my bones, (laughs) I love picking apart people's certainty. It gives me, it's almost like, it's almost like I go in and I either take their certainty and make it my own, or it's more like I poke at what you're certain about, and then we're both uncertain. Ah, and that calms me. Because to me, I'm like, well, let's just tell the truth. No one really knows anything. You don't know. And then I feel, ah, we can all be uncertain together. (laughs) Or it can look very different than that. It can be that we just go along with their certainty and kind of borrow it. So if someone is certain or seems certain, something we can tend to do very unconsciously is start to poke holes and question that certainty, especially if they are talking about a group of people or something and we feel defensive for the group of people or the person that they're talking about. So instead of actually interacting with the person in front of us, we'll we'll start defending the person who isn't in the room or the group of people who aren't in the room. Now, that's not a bad thing. However, it can create a whole lot of disconnection to the person we are talking to because we are not just allowing them to have their own sense of things. We want to correct it or we just want to muck it up so they're so they are in uncertainty. So, this comes up a lot for me with my husband and my daughter particularly. They are both people who they're just boundaried is the easiest way I can describe it. They're just there's there's a solidity <laughs> there that I don't have naturally. And so I often want to poke at that. And so my husband will come to me and he'll just start saying whatever. And I immediately am like, whether it's his energy or what he's saying, something about it triggers my uncertainty. And so I'll start poking and asking questions. and like, but what about this? And have you thought of this? And et cetera, et cetera, injecting doubt. And that used to really drive him crazy. And he really felt disrespected and he felt like I didn't trust him and he felt dismissed. And what I had to come to terms with is that that was right. He was right. I was disrespecting him. I don't respect word, you know, it's tricky. I was not just valuing what he was saying as his to say. I was trying to correct it. I was trying to change it. I was trying to uh, manipulate it right? Or just get him to see things my way without owning that that's what I was doing. And that's very different. When we can say, hey, what you're saying is upsetting to me and here's why. Here's how 
I think about that, that is a totally different conversation. As sixes, we just tend to start doing all of that without any setup or without any ownership of the discomfort and uncertainty that's happening inside us first. When we can start to do that, we can have these conversations and these back and forth because we're we're owning the separation. We're saying, I'm over here as a separate person and you're over there as a separate person. And then maybe we're engaging in actual adult conversation where we're able to share ideas and learn from each other as opposed to reacting to the discomfort caused when someone or something in front of us is different than what we think is correct and safe, et cetera. So for me, the short answer of how do I as a six cross people's boundaries is, oh, here's a good one. We think we should have access to people's inner lives. Okay, I think I should have access <laughs> to people's inner lives. I really want to be careful to not speak for you all. I'm, I'm probably being overly sensitive to this. I mean, it's a podcast, obviously. You know you can take what you want and leave the rest. I just, there's so much authority stuff that comes up with sixes. And it's just so important for me to always, whether it's here or it's in my Facebook group or it's in coaching, I'm always giving back the authority that as sixes, we are so willing to give up, to give up. We're so willing to give up our authority, to give away our power, to just like hand it over. And, you know, I don't want it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it back and I'm going to ground into my own. This is the process. We like take back what we gave away, ground into our own selves. Okay, all that said, I know that I really want access to people's inner lives. And that's just not fair. That's not a thing. That's not okay. So if people are boundaried in and of themselves, we can ask. We can try to create a container of safety. Oh, because here's the other thing. We want other people to create safe containers for us to be our full selves. We want to be able to emotionally express freely and we want to be able to say what we think freely. We really want that and we have expectations that the outside world creates that safety for us. And yet, do we really create that for others if what they have to feel and say doesn't work for us, if it creates discomfort in us? Are we able to create that level of safety for others? That gets me a little off the boundaries topic, except that when we have our own selves set, known, contained, aligned, it is much easier to create that kind of container for others, whether they are our friends, our coworkers, our partners, our children, are we able to create the safe container that we are trying to get from others? I think that's related. I'm going to leave it in here. Okay. I think that's it for this week. This got way longer than I anticipated. Going to give you a great interview next week. 
I hope this stimulated a lot of useful thinking for you around boundaries. And more than anything, I hope it's helping you orient to your body. Your body has so much to tell you about yourself and really getting to know you. This is kind of what it's all about. Creating safety and security and health in sixes is really about getting to know and developing a solid, loving relationship with everything that you've got going on there. It's good stuff. Okay, talk to you all soon. As always, thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this, please go rate the podcast where you listen to it. If you're feeling really generous, leave a review. I really appreciate it. It helps other sixes find what we've got going on here. Talk to you all soon.